0: Everything's falling into place I'm right where I should be. We grow out of this world in exactly the same way that the apples grow on the apple tree. The times of life are led me. Hear. What's the meaning of the universe? What's the meaning of a flea? It's just there. That's it. And your own meaning is that you're And that's why I'm not scared. The destiny of the species is unfolding with the logic of a dream. I know the answer will appear, please. (laughs) Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining me. This is a special little episode and it's a bit different. Rather than interviewing a guest, I am hiking up a mountain with my dog, snowshoes under my feet, unpacking a life's worth of experiences and ideas that have all led to this project of uncomplication. So this is a pretty personal episode. I go into a lot of these formative experiences that shaped my mind and my understanding of life and the universe and ultimately led me to be recording these podcasts and putting out this content so i hope that uh, you enjoy going this deep into my personal story Um, i thank you so much for listening and for accompanying me as we snowshoe our way up to the top of gray rock mountain enjoy That's what I'm doing here today, uh, going up this hill, uh, trying to find my way around fallen trees and down into these uh, streams what I'm doing right now, I'm going to drop off this little rock into a rocky stream bed and I'm ducking under this tree, just finding my way up this trail, there's no tracks, it's uh, about four to eight inches of powder and us and our wits, So. My uh, experience today has been really grounded in, well, first of all, making this happen. I am very fortunate right now. I just spent 10 years as an entrepreneur starting and running a tech company and growing it and seeing all the ups and downs and just absolute trauma like PTSD, PTSWD, uh post-traumatic stress from working disorder. Um, So I'm very fortunate that I'm on the other side of that. Miraculously, uh, no one was badly injured, just some of this emotional baggage to declutter. But um, making this happen today, I dropped my kids off at school. We had a snowy night. I came back home and I just had that flash. Do I just want to sit in my house today? Or do I want to go out and um, have an adventure? And clearly, I, I chose the latter. I also chose to eat a little bit of cannabis and a little bit of mushrooms. Um, those two substances, and in moderate doses, can just be highly functional, I find. Just, uh, I call it flavoring your perception. It's not enough to make you uh, severely altered, but it is enough to just get the mind working some different ways, get some uh, flow from right brain to left brain, and I think all of these thoughts that I'm unlocking as I walk up this hill are a testament to that. So, you know, I have been thinking about this project, Uncomplication, and I wanna talk a little bit about it because I think in sharing with you, the listener, the ideas and intention behind this project, It might help you better understand what I'm trying to go after and maybe even, you know, give some feedback as to whether or not this is uh, checking those boxes, but also just a way for me to figure out where this fits and how it might unfold in the future. So a little bit of personal backstory, if you will indulge me, I spent uh my young 20s very angsty um you've heard me in other podcasts no doubt kind of talk about how i felt like i was losing my mind uh and i think at that time it really felt that way i felt like i was um expected to walk a path and at that time that path for me was um uh, creating videos. I thought I was going to Hollywood. I was going to be a filmmaker. Um, and just a real ego, you know, coming up as a kid, everyone's always telling you how great you are. And I had never really faced any adversity or true challenges other than just my own struggles within the system, behavior challenges, getting sent to the principal every day, that kind of stuff. But um, as a young person graduating into the world, um, I just had this huge head on my shoulders, and then I started having these experiences, the first of which happened in high school on a camping trip with my friend Jeff Kokel and some others, and it was uh, not the first time I had smoked pot, but the one of the first times that I did it in a natural environment. And we were um, on a high school camping trip, we got really drunk the night before, and the next morning, you know, we all woke up, kind of hung over, and um, we smoked some pot and uh, went on this little hike. And it was really nothing special. We just kind of hiked around where our trucks were parked. But I was just so transported that morning. I just saw this natural environment, this beautiful valley with deer and cows in it, and um, the sun shining through the grasses and the flowers and i remember so clearly these flashbulb memories that we have walking up a hill following my friends and i looked to my left and there i saw this grassy rolling hills with trees that were dead that had twisted and fallen and they were becoming the soil that was feeding The new trees that were growing. And in that in that state, I saw not just that that still, that still image that we're used to seeing, or getting a glimpse of out our car windows, I saw it unfolding. I could see the intricate play of the water, of the earth, of the air and the sky overhead, and I just saw for the first time in my life that we were these little germs crawling in this bigger organism and it was doing this thing in a in a mysterious way that I had no introduction to um, and I just was not fully prepared to see. And the rest of that morning I, I just was in that space and I came back and I took a picture that uh, we had taken of us just kind of standing at the top of this hill. And that photo was on my wall for the next 15, 20 years, uh, um, among hundreds of other photos that I ended up taking and plastering to my walls as I, as I pursued this experience. And for me, it was going down the rabbit hole, as I like to say, trying to figure out what was this? What is this? Where are we? And I didn't really know where to look, so I... Um, I got together more with my friends, my friend Jeff and my friend Kyle, who started this podcast with me on Complication. He's a brother. We have been through so much since like third grade, and this is part of it. And I think it's it's part of why we have these roots together, whether we think about that often or not. We were we were early psychonauts together. We would have uh, houses that were either like in our community. I remember Kyle was always house sitting and so we would go to these houses and we would smoke pot and we would listen to music and we would, we would just explore. And it was like exploration in a basement, you know, like we're, we're looking at human things. <laughs> but it was, it was profound. And every time we did that, I just was left feeling that there is this whole space. That humans can dive into that tells us so much about who and what we are and it's just it's nowhere it's nowhere on the map and so i early on thought that we were onto something because um, even our other friends that smoked pot it seemed like they just did it to be silly drive around make goofs laugh at each other but when we did it it just felt important and i remember being with my friend jeff Sitting in his uh, jeep with no doors on it in the summer, you know, parked in a parking lot somewhere, getting a little high, and just feeling gravity, feeling these forces, feeling all of, all of this stuff that we had kind of learned about in school, you know, physics, just, just feeling that in a, in a real tangible way. And so I, I said to him, I remember. I, I want to know what the theory of relativity is all about. You know, you always hear about how brilliant Einstein was. Like, what was he talking about? Is he talking about this stuff? Like, was, was he one of us? And so I started uh, reading books on uh, Albert Einstein and the theory of relativity. And just getting so lost in that. It was just amazing. Um, this way of taking what we normally think of as just a mechanical system that is deterministic and fatalistic, and all of a sudden bringing in this imagination and this space that your mind can't think in, you know, folded space-time, and uh, no real actual point of reference without reference to other points. And it just, it kind of blew my mind. And so for a while, for me, it was just science. Science is the answer. Einstein and, you know, later reading about string theory and quantum mechanics and stuff. It's like, this is it. This is what it's all about. And then um, as my journey unfolded, I got to a point where, um, you know, we were starting to come up with our own theories Uh, and they were kind of silly, but they were, they were, they were how these things start. Uh, You know, relativity, I'm sure, was just a funny inkling in Albert Einstein's brain uh, before he really set about trying to use the apparatus of logic to put it into something that could be communicated. And so we had these theories. One of them was uh, the focus theory. And we just realized how humans and their brains cannot focus on everything. You have to shine this light of attention in places. And when you do that... The thing that you're giving attention to just unravels and unfolds in all of these interesting ways, but it's a point focus and it's always at the expense of other things. You can't have that, that, uh, floodlight consciousness on everything. It, it's really a spotlight. And so we documented this, uh, focus theory, kind of imagining like a 3D space with this point of focus and you could shift it in that space, but you couldn't, uh, you couldn't encompass the space itself anyway so we kind of got down this path and then um, when i was still in high school uh all of a sudden uh randomly on pbs there was bill moyers interviewing joseph campbell and i mean you want to talk about falling in love with someone at first sight joseph campbell to me was the most brilliant deep, compassionate, passionate human I had ever seen. I had never seen an adult like this that was talking about these things. And he wasn't just talking about kind of the, the modern lens of science and, you know, quantum mechanics and these small scale interactions. He was talking about humanity. And it was the first time that I realized that um, I might be crazy but I'm not alone in my crazy. There are other humans. And and it is what humans have always done is to get lost in this world, out in this space, and then tell each other stories that try to wrap those deepest thoughts and feelings and realizations into a communicable uh, experience that cultures form themselves around. And if you've you've never looked it up, I encourage you, so strongly find um, it was uh, yeah Bill Moyers interviewing Joseph Campbell is called The Power of Myth um, and it was just amazing he goes through this whole span of human history and even going before humans talking about you know primates and apes and how they arrange their societies so all of a sudden I had this new knock at the door this uh, introduction to um, religion and spirituality. And growing up, I had friends, uh, really close friends who were very, very special to me and are to this day. My friend Landon Schott, who was just, even before me, like he saw through the game. He had gone deep and he knew what was out there and he wanted to get there. And his family was very conservative, very Christian, and he rebelled against that but he always came back to it. And then when we finally parted ways, he, uh, when I was going into the deserts and these uh, psychedelic trips, he was going on a full Christian trip, uh, youth society and the whole deal out in Texas. But my introduction now through Joseph Campbell to religion, philosophy, um, propelled me on a new track because I began to realize that this is worth talking about. This is not craziness, this is just the type of craziness that makes humans wonderful. And our, our world had forgotten it. And here was Joseph Campbell, um, you know, just doing his best to share what he had learned from studying all of these religions, all of these people across history and hallelujah. And then I left for college. And at that point, I felt so strongly based on these experiences that my work in life was big. I decided not to go and pursue a career in filmmaking. I decided that it was a, it was just playing into this game and I wanted to get behind the game. So I went to CSU and I I was very much a young kid, you know, I, I still, I had a, a great group of friends, we lived together in the house, we partied a lot, you know, drank a lot of alcohol, but I had this, um, this secret life that I was, you know, staying up until three or four in the morning or later every night and I was drawing and I was thinking and I was reading and then at a certain point in time, I started uh, going out. I went out uh, in my little Honda Civic. I just got in my car. And I would always just get in my car and drive. And that was a big, a big thing for me growing up in Colorado. Like, there's so much to just discover and just, you know, get out and drive. Right. But I got in my car. I drove to Utah at night in the desert. And I woke up, up in Ar- Arches National Park. I had no idea what it was about. I just seen it on the map. I don't think I'd even really seen pictures. And I woke up in that landscape... Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was on another world. I felt like I was an astronaut on Mars. And I spent quite a few days out there smoking cannabis, listening to music, furiously filling my journals with all of these thoughts about time and gravity and humans and, uh, and divinity. Um, I felt like more and more in those experiences, I got to this place where I was so seen because of the silence, as Stephen Hatch would say, because of that time just sitting with myself, I felt so profoundly seen that it felt like the Lord God, creator of the universe itself was right there with me. And was not shy in showing me how big and terrifying it could all be. And I went into those uh, desert trips again and again, filling these notebooks again, just feeling like I had work to do. Um, I came across other really um, important um, texts for me. Guy Merchies, The Seven Mysteries of Life, is fabulous fabulous it's it's amazing every young person should be given a copy of that book it is uh, it is a tome it's like a thousand plus pages Uh, the author it took him like 15 or 30 years to write this book about all life and all worlds and it's funny now because this the science is dated it was written in the 60s and 70s so the science is dated like how mountains form and Uh, a lot of these things we've, we have better scientific theories, but the spirit with which he wrote about all of these things, not just physical properties and laws, but deep inner mysteries. I was just like, this is it. This is what I am going to do. I am going to write a book like this that encompasses all of these new pieces, you know, taking where these guys left off, Joseph Campbell, Guy Murchie, and even MC Escher. Um, I'm an artist. I, uh, I have a style that I really like where I, I draw things that are all in, in fluid motion together. And I like to mix in these physical kind of elements so that, you know, magma becomes rock, becomes soil, becomes earth, becomes humans, becomes civilization. So again, you know, this is, it's a huge ego game. And it's kind of funny to think back on. I was so full of myself that, uh, I was chosen, I was special. I had work to do so time goes on and I'm in college and I uh, go into a geology degree because my dad was a geologist and it's just beautiful I mean geology being outside studying the earth getting into a time frame where it's not like 100 years or centuries but you're talking about millions and billions of years to do these things, to shape this landscape that we now see, it was the perfect place for me and my uh, brain to be still pursuing an academic degree, but with the the knowledge in the back of my head that it was for my own personal use. It was not to be um, put in the field of oil and gas exploration or anything other than building this body of mystery. And... Um, I wanna take a picture here because it's this beautiful place where you can see exactly where I am. I've got a trail that I've broken and the trail in front of me that's not broken yet. I just went around a switch back. I think this might be the uh cover shot for this image for this uh podcast. So if you go on SoundCloud where all of these are hosted, you'll find this image as the cover shot. Great. Um, so, uh, yeah, getting this uh, geology degree uh, as a way to exist in this space and um, do this work. Well, what happened was over time, as, as happens to all young people, um, I had to get more grown up. Um, you know, I went from these kind of introductory courses where I could just sit and doodle to these very, very challenging courses where I had to study. And I found myself, um, you know, doing well as a student, but just there was always this nagging feeling that I was, I was in the wrong direction. And then I would have these kind of punctuated experiences, uh, always with cannabis, um, where I would again have that, um, presence. I would be seen and it would be very critical and saying, what are you doing? Why are you going down this slippery slope into this culture? that you know you can uh, bring something bigger to. And it scared me. It actually shook me because I would have these experiences. And I don't know, you know, um, Dr. Rob in the last episode was talking about uh, cannabis-induced psychosis. And uh, I think I had that. <laughs> because the the experiences I would have, even on like moderate uh, cannabis trips, were very psychedelic. They were very altered. They were very... Um, visionary and and scary and I felt more and more that I was kind of losing my shit I wasn't able to maintain I was uh, freaking out and I'd have to put the pieces back together and what kept happening was I'd come to a place where I felt really good I mean maybe like I was like not on the right path but I would feel okay and then I would have an experience that would just shake me up And I'd be like, shit, I don't have it. I don't, I don't have it all figured out. And I'd have to do a lot of work to try and put the pieces back together to not just be fucking crazy. Um, I think at that time there was even like an encouragement from some family to like take antidepressants or like, you know, something wasn't quite right. And Kayla, my wife, she was there then too and put up with a lot of just, uh, I don't know, polar polar disorder, bipolar. You know, jumping between these moments of elation to these moments of just like existential dread. And in that time, I also kind of had this growing awareness of psychedelics. And I started reading about them. I mean, I was introduced to them a little bit through uh some of Joseph Campbell's writing, but not by much. Uh, you know, there's there's talk of, you know, sacraments and substances that people used. But now I really wanted to go a little bit further. And I think the first book I really found might have even been the one that, like, introduced this. But it was Terrence McKenna, um, whose voice you hear is the, the third voice in the intro of this podcast. Uh, his book, Food of the Gods, was just uh, another one of those real paradigm-changing books for me, where he talked about how... A lot of what Dr. Rob was talking about. Humans have always ingested things to sustain themselves. And part of what those were, were these psychedelic chemicals and substances that interact with our brains and produce uh, changes in our uh, cognitive um, functioning and our perception. And, um, I'm going to take another picture here. Maybe this will be the cover shot. Every time I go another step, it's like (laughs) beautiful, beautiful surroundings. Got to stop being distracted. Um, Yeah, Food of the Gods being this kind of expose of these substances. And he delved into mushrooms. And I think he probably dabbled in, you know, peyote. And um, uh, it's been a while since I've read that book. I know mushrooms are kind of a central focus and they were they were important to him if you've ever read any of mckenna's backstory uh it felt like he was a kindred spirit he was in the same kind of crazy questing he went even farther he went like into the amazonian basin with his brother and they fucking lost their minds and uh but anyway so he writes about uh, mushrooms in this kind of quasi-scholarly way which is cool to me it's like this is not a scientific textbook this is speculative there is research There's a lot of uh, presentation of a logical um, discourse, but it's not scientific, so know that. Um, Anyway, that kind of opened up this uh, awareness of these substances, and for me at that time, it was like, this is it. This is that doorway to go to that next level. I'm always getting to these places with cannabis where I'm um, seeing just that vastness of where my mind can go and then being like kept out of it and kept in my craziness psychedelics to me was like fuck it we're gonna pull out all the stops blow up the dam let it all flood out and unite with the universe and so i started obsessing about this go luna go i started reading more books reading timothy leary and um are Gordon Wasson and all these people that wrote about mushrooms and these different substances. And man, if you read Leary, he's a nut. His, uh, his portrayal of these things is so elevated and so enshrined in religious myst- mysticism that it really gives you that flavor. I think in the time and place, the 1960s, like that was, that's what they were on, that's what they were onto. But it, it also gave me this sense this was fucking huge. This was being blasted into space. This was losing your mind. This was being dismembered and put back together. All of these things. Um, but, but I wanted it. And so I'd go out to the desert. I would bring these, you know, LSD tabs. Um, and I would go out and I would meditate and try and bring myself to do them. And I went out there multiple times. Four or five times with these substances lsd Um, i think it's mostly lsd that to me was kind of that was the frontier Um, and then interestingly um uh salvia salvia divinorum i don't know how i found it i was crawling arrow it i was i was down the rabbit hole and all this stuff i found this uh plant salvia people were writing about it in these kind of crazy terms for some reason it seemed less intense than LSD. I bought some online. I started experimenting with it. That stuff was crazy. Uh, good crazy, but man, so crazy. You know, you take a little puff of salvia, like the extract salvia that's really strong, you take a little puff, and I would just feel like I was wrapped in a blanket, in a womb, And I was my um, childhood self. Everything I laid eyes on was uniquely mine. I could see how every tree, every blade of grass was being presented to my consciousness through my own nervous system. And it was my grass. They were my trees. You know, I grew up in the time and place that I did. I have all these contents of my mind. And this substance was just saying, hey, this is you. This is all you. And um, I would take that out to the desert too, and I would, you know, I would, I would smoke some of that. And eventually, I—I um, I don't remember the order of this. I think I—I I actually did have a strong salvia trip before a uh, acid trip. Uh, and I was at a cabin with my wife, um, and she went to bed. This is like log cabin with a little wood burning stove, and I. I lay down on the floor and I took, you know, two huge puffs holding them each time. And on the second puff holding it, I just blasted off. I was gone. There was no I. Um, the, The experience that I had was such that everything that was being experienced was absolutely eternal and total. And there wasn't even a concept that there was anything else. And I was, at one point, an interdimensional tile, a single tile that contained all of my experiences. And it wasn't even an I. It wasn't me. It wasn't, like, my life. life. It was just everything that there was in the universe was in this tile, this, like, two-dimensional surface. It was all there. And then that, that lasted forever, absolutely forever. There was no time. It was it. It was all there. It was all whole. That was it. And then all of a sudden, there was a quake and a shake and a rumble. And the whole thing flipped over. And it was a new moment, a new universe, a new time, a new set of arrangements, complete and total and timeless. And that was it. it. And then the rumble and then the shake and the flipping over the next moment. And then it went on and on. It got stronger and stronger, flipping over, flipping over, moment, moment, moment. And the, the zoom kind of expanded, so I saw that this one tile that was everything was in an infinite plane of these tiles that was undulating like waves. And my little tile was here flipping over moment after moment, and I can see down this infinite wall of tiles, this ocean of tiles, this wave of them flipping. And it was getting closer and closer and closer, and then whoa, flip over, new moment. And it's just, it was absolutely nutty. And you know, I, I have in my journal all of these trip reports, so I should probably go back and dig them out and kind of reunite myself with some of those experiences. That's the thing that really stood out to me. And I'll kind of leave it there, but just to give you a sense of the absolute dissociative power that these substances can have. And as I came back down, you know, there was this reintegration back into my body, back into my life back into the room and the fire and, like, all of these things. And I had gone out there, I had seen and been this just absolutely different reality and then come back and reintegrated into my surroundings. And, yeah, it just, you know, every time I did that, it just led to art and drawing and thinking and, like, desperately trying to grab hold of this thing. And I'd always find in these experiences that... I would um, get to the, 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 pe- the peak of the experience and I would try to, I'd start thinking about how do I say something about this? What do I, how do I put this in words? Hold on, I think my phone might be dying. I think these AirPods are not up to the challenge. Forward. And I'm back. Sorry about that interruption. I bet the audio actually gets a lot better from here out because those uh, AirPods... Through the Bluetooth, I know it's not the best audio experience. Thanks for sticking with me through the crappy audio. I'm now going uh, handheld. Okay. Um, Salvia and that experience was a propellant, you know, even farther out into this um, expectation around LSD. I don't know why. For some reason, even with that craziness of uh, Salvia, I expected LSD to be crazier. Um so also around this point in time I started doing some work with um a college professor uh one of the t- teachers I really respected very smart man um he got wind that I was creative and did video work and all this other stuff and uh we started a project creating um videos for geology textbooks we actually sold the project to a textbook company And they paid for us to fly around the world, buy all this fancy camera equipment. And, uh, yeah, as like a 22-year-old, I was flying around the world in helicopters, visiting uh, volcanoes in New Zealand, recording this footage with this man, who ended up just being a very toxic person for me. Um, We ended up not really meshing. Uh, I don't think he respected me at all. (laughs) I was just a means to his ends and... We had a pretty sudden falling out, but for like about a year, we had this really cool project touring around. But I remember I had a a journal at that time that was black. It was a moleskin journal. All of my other journals have been of a very particular type, a cachet studio, little spiral bound with the little elastic band that holds it closed. And I had this black moleskin. And man, that poor notebook receives so much angst like crazy people angst, like pages that were written in like just totally tripped out, whacked out writing. The writing itself was crazy, like just filling up the page in these like spirals and just, I was not happy and I knew it. And even though I was doing this amazing project, there was this whole career that was kind of unfolding before me. I like was violently um, rejecting it and i you know pushed it away and i crashed that opportunity you know as a 20 something i just was not mature enough to speak my mind to my uh colleague my professor and you know i sent off these emails that were just very unprofessional and he canned me and that was that and i spent the next couple years like really dealing with that too like did i miss my shot at something really cool but uh And I was trading it for just kind of eking by uh, this existence. And I knew that I wasn't creating my art. You know, I would have these moments where I would be really excited to do an art piece. I would do these amazing sketches and I'd just get all gung-ho, buy all the supplies, get started, meet with my own shortcomings, get frustrated, get halfway through a piece, really like it, don't want to screw it up, stop working on it. And I just was, I was just kind of spinning my wheels. And um, this still ties into that time period with, um, you know, some of that uh, salvia exploration. You know, cannabis was kind of a bittersweet, love-hate uh, friend that would really just kind of twist me up. I have had far greater uh, troubling experiences in my life on cannabis than any other substance. Um, but they were all important <laughs> for various reasons. So um, I ended up then, in this time period, going out to the desert again. Um, And at this point, I had brought another Joseph Campbell book that had kind of, it was one of the first ones that really was um, getting me introduced to, like, Eastern mythology in a little bit deeper way. The Power of Myth and those early books, like, it kind of dabbles in it, but this was kind of going a little bit farther into that Eastern, like, meditation and the Kundalini Yoga and all these things. And so I kind of had this sense that like, maybe this is it, you know, and I'd I'd had some of these uh, experiences of like, out of body, like I was describing earlier. And so there was this feeling like maybe this is it, meditation and these other practices uh, might be that kind of doorway, this thing that's missing. And I um, went out to the desert, had this book, I was meditating on meditation, even though I had no introduction to it, hadn't even really started doing yoga yet. But I sat down, I smoked some pot, and I had this experience that was absolutely uh, life-changing. I was sitting out there in the desert by myself, eyes closed, um, in the sun, and I was just so afraid. I was just quaking. The whole trip out just felt wrong. I was worried about everything. I just felt so off my path. And I just started from this place of like absolute fear. And actually, the night before, I almost just had gone home. I was out there. I'm like, this isn't working. I've lost it. I cannot do this anymore. Um, and I was ready to go home, but I, I I tried this, you know, just sitting and meditating. And I had this experience where I started from this place of absolute anxiety and absolute fear and frustration and all of these things and sitting there eyes closed head full of cannabis you know very much uh very high um, but in this just absolute crippling space and I said to myself and it was interesting I kind of had this voice with me that was me but it was it was outside of my immediate experience such that I could actually coach myself and so this voice in me was like go forward go into it. You're gonna be anxious, okay, be anxious. What are you anxious about? What are you afraid of? Let's bring it all out. Like, let's stop hiding from it, let's go into it. And so in my experience, I brought out all of these things that made me afraid. I brought out my own fear of inadequacy and failure. I brought out my fear of the predators that might be out in this environment with me that was very much a part of my experience that morning. Just like, I'm way the fuck out here. No one knows where I am. You know, what if something jumps out and grabs me, whatever. You know, every little stick, every little crack that I heard, like, could have been a predator. And in this experience, I let it be. I made it be. So I'm sitting there, this, like, central point, bringing out everything that I'm afraid of. And I brought out, like, medical stuff. That was, especially at that time, just such a phobia of needles and veins and and my own biology was just like so unsettling i would pass out every time i had blood taken i passed out once in a high school biology class and i just brought it out you know i in in my mind i stuck needles in my veins i just ripped my whole physiology inside out and just this is it this is what i am and in this process of going into that fear and that anxiousness, I got to a point where I was like, I had killed everything I love. I had killed myself. I had embraced the fears of the world collapsing and just everything bad that could go happen, I let happen and it was all lost. And a wave of sorrow swept over me like I have never felt before or since. And I wept. I wept for myself. I wept for my parents that would eventually die, my, my girlfriend, my cat, you know, uh, my sister, like all of these people I loved. I just wept for this whole world that was completely lost, utterly twisted. On any timeline, it's all lost. It all goes back to the dust of the universe. And I wept. I was absolutely lower than low. I had lost everything. Absolute sorrow absolute sor- sorrow and again my uh this kind of coaching in my brain said all right sadness we know sadness let's dig it out let's bring it all out what do you know bring out all the sadness and that's what led to you know all of these these like letting goes of killing myself killing my family killing the world killing all hope and i just i brought it out brought it out until i was just an ocean of sadness and then something happened I had lost everything. Mentally, physically, I had lost it all. And I was sobbing and I was crying and without any real intention, that laughter, or I'm sorry, that that crying became laughter. You know, when you cry so much you laugh or you laugh so much you cry, there is a boundary, there is a border that those emotions share. And I got to the point the sadness was so profound it was hysterical. The, 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 the crying turned into laughter and joy because if everything was lost, there was nothing I had to do. There was no way I could do this wrong. It was all lost. Let go. And the liberation that came from that pivot you know, through fear, into sadness, into joy, was just I, I can't even put it into words because as big and deep as those feelings of anxiety and... Luna, come here! Come here! Luna's chasing deer. <sighs> you leave them alone. This is their mountain. Um, as big and deep as those feelings were of anxiety and, and fear and sorrow, joy was just as big, just as full. It was giddy. It was It was unbelievably light. I was just ecstatic in my joy at having lost everything. And again, that voice was there and it said, okay, joy, we know joy. Bring out everything that you know about joy. And I did. I brought out feelings of being special and being loved and being wanted and gifts at Christmas time and birthdays. And it was just like this receiving of the gifts of life, Um, you know, every breath being this gift, this miracle, and it was mine, and I didn't have to share it. It was all just mine. And it was just this joy. And that joy pushed through to this space where all of a sudden I had been so filled with all of the gifts that the world had given me the people, the relationships, the experiences. I was so full that it started coming out and I might even get emotional here because this was a big, a big experience. But you know, when we are that full, so full that it just starts coming out, that's what started happening. And it it poured out my own um, joy being returned to the world. And I identified it and and I knew this is love. This is what love is. You know, joy is, is selfish. It's getting, Love is reciprocal. And so I had a word now, I had a a definition. Okay, love, we know love, let's bring out everything that we know about love. And I did, I I brought out my family, my mom and my dad and my grandparents and my sister and my my wife and my pets and like my friends and just like this whole world that has, has given me so much without asking for anything in return. And now here was me just outflowing into this absolute gratitude and appreciation. And just like, I just wanted to radiate that back to everyone in my life. And it was this love and it found a balance where, you know, joy was getting, love was giving and getting. And in this, in this way that created a balance. And in that balance, I found absolute peace absolute peace. There was nothing more required of me. There was nothing more, um, to do. I was there. I was in flux. I was open. The whole world was, was coming through this, this focus point. That was me. And it was just absolute peace. And that peace, you know, was just timeless and eternal, and when I try and talk about it now, I know there's no way I'm going to be able to put this in words. This is what poetry is for. This is what art is for. This is what loving each other is for. You know, sexual intercourse and uh, appreciation. Um, like, all the biggest things that we have that evoke this true love, this divine love, is what leads us to bliss. And I was there. I had bliss. I had peace and it was it just stretched out it was there and then this is what happened i started thinking i have to share this what do i say about this how do i describe this experience how do i put this into a framework how can other people do this same thing all of these thoughts about capturing this experience that i was having and i went right back down i tumbled right back down that mountain right back into my normal kind of thinking I wasn't just a pure st- station of bliss anymore. I was a human, I was uh, unsure, I was questing, I was thinking, but I was changed, I was well, and I was okay. And rather than running home in fear, I made that trip last, I just drove around the desert aimlessly, I pitched up, I picked up hitchhikers, I had all of these amazing experiences that unfolded, and I came back a changed person. And um, I can't really describe that. I can't really put my finger on what that was or meant um, other than it was an inflection point. It was a change in my script from being, you know, absolutely fucked in my head, in my life, not on the right path to just like I have had a moment of peace and, and and it wasn't that I had like a new set of tools that I was any better at life or any better than the game. But because I had had that moment of peace of like absolute bliss, I knew it was there. I knew I had had it. And if I never had it again, I was okay with that too. Um, So yeah, this then, you know, kind of twines back into the psychedelic thing. And, you know, it's funny because now I'm You know, 20 years past this experience, almost, you know, uh, 15, 20 years past it, it's hard for me to, like, remember the timeline. But the other big transformative moment here, and tying back to these, uh, you know, substances, was I had gone out in the desert again and again. Um, I still couldn't bring myself to do LSD. Even after that uh, meditation, this LSD thing was still just, like, too scary for me. Like, I just didn't think that I could do it. I thought that it was going to overwhelm me. And I think I also felt like I had had something that I needed and I didn't want to fuck it up. I think a lot of people, when they look at psychedelics or these types of experiences, there's that feeling like everything's going okay. Might not be perfectly happy, but everything's cool. You know, I can do my shit, go to work, play with my kids. Like, why would I want to rock the boat? And I think I still saw that frontier of LSD and uh, psychedelics as being like rocking the boat but it was so important to me i had to know i had to know you know is this is this going to be the thing that i that i need to continue this this realization and i went out you know by myself over and over and something always happened that i just couldn't bring myself to do it i'd come back and finally i went out with a friend first time i'd ever done it with or gone out to the desert with a friend and i brought jeff Brought my brother, who I had done all of this early questing with. We had our own, you know, mirror version of each other in our own questing. And uh, he he had done this stuff. He had done mushrooms. He had done LSD. And he's like, brother, man, just come with me. Like, you got this. And so we went out in the desert. And man, you know, I've been reading Leary. I've been reading all this stuff. I've got like this huge expectation around this experience. And so... You know, it was a big trip. There's lots that happened with the, just getting out there, that part of the trip. But then when it came to taking it, taking the LSD, I told Jeff, like, you know, you just stay here in camp. I just have to do this by myself. I'm going to go out, you know, go out in the desert a ways. I'm just going to sit. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to take this LSD. And I did it. And you know, I still think to this day that just the, the, the actual act, the physical act, of putting an lsd drop on your tongue or eating a mushroom is a symbolic ritual of letting go and that in and of itself was huge it's like jumping off a cliff you're not clinging anymore you've stepped off into space you're out of control and because of that you can have new experiences well that was all well and good but i sat out there for what felt like you know an hour or more and I really expected based on what I read that you know the the effects would come on at about an hour and you know the clock's ticking I'm out there and I feel good and, you know I'm meditating I'm breathing I'm doing all these things but I don't think I'm tripping and I go back to Jeff and I'm like man I think that LSD was old I don't think it worked and we did it we came out here I finally did the big move the big thing I haven't been able to do over you know half a decade of trying it didn't work. He said, that's cool, man, here, split these mushrooms with me. So he handed me this mushroom. It was a dried psilocybin mushroom and I had never seen anything like it. It was the most beautiful object I have ever seen. It was this piece of shining, shimmering, organic jewelry that in the desert sun, it was a, it was a gold cap mushroom And the cap was like crinkled golden foil. And the stem was just this delicate, white, soft, uh, flowing form with this beautiful blue kind of peeking through. And he just handed me this like piece of earth jewelry. And I ate it. And at this point, you know, I'd done LSD, mushrooms weren't that, or you know, I had eaten the LSD, so mushrooms like, ah, whatever, give me the things. So we ate some mushrooms, some mushroom chocolates, And we had the most amazing day I cannot even describe. And you have to imagine, this is out on a canyon rim in this secret spot that I have out in the desert, uh, outside of Moab. Just, I mean, the place itself is arresting. But this experience that I had with Jeff that day was just, I can't even put it into words. And the thing that surprised me, I think the LSD was good. And I think the mushrooms were good too. Um, but I all of a sudden found myself, yeah, I was tripping. Yeah, I was looking at this landscape and I could see these like repeating patterns and I could see, you know, trails on things when I move my eyes and I could close my eyes and go into these like just fractal spaces and geometries and, um, you know, my own, uh, amphitheater of, uh, awareness, um, Wow, we we're really far off from where I thought Gray Rock was. We got way up on this other side. That's cool though. Um, and the thing was though, through this trip, these mushrooms and that LSD, what I found out there so hundred percent assuredly and so strongly was that this is me. I was so worried about these, like, dragons and this, like, flood of consciousness that I couldn't deal with and being blasted out into space and dismembered and facing demons and, like, this real physical kind of uh, reality. And instead, I was exactly who I am, exactly where I needed to be, with one of my best friends in the entire world, dancing around on these rocks like just crazy shaman out in the wilderness. And... I, I cannot describe just the the bliss, the moments, the, the 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 discoveries together, and just this realization that all of these things that I do, these patterns of behavior, these loops that my mind gets in, of like, you know, forgetting things, or um uh Jeff had a great uh statement that has stuck with me still. And when I when I trip with people, I still use this term is that um it's so fruitful when you're tripping to get out of the circle of camp. So don't stay around the car. Don't stay around your tent. Don't stay around your house where you've got these patterns that are baked in where you like, oh, am I thirsty? Where's my water? Oh, I have this thing. I'm gonna go find it. Oh, where's the, you know, this, that. Like you're just in these like little circles, these um, eddies of thought. And you can see this very clearly. Like at home at night, you know, there's a, um, you know, there's a pattern of behavior that you just kind of like plinko ball uh, bounce around in. So leaving the circle of camp, You know, getting out in the desert and I just found myself, all of these quirks about me, all of these things that I didn't like, they were just me and they were okay. And here was my friend Jeff and like I just saw him differently. There he was, this like physical presence that cared about me and like had compassion and was helping me through this. And it was just, it was amazing. Um, There's no words that I can put to describe what that day was to me, what it felt like, you know, what we experienced together. And just how much that was like a capstone course in psychedelics. After all of this time, all of these expectations, years of like being too afraid. It wasn't the right time. And then just diving into it, finding myself. And um, yeah, that, that then changed me. Um, because, you know, when I did that meditation thing, it, it got me to a point that I, I know is there. Like, it's an anchor in my experience, and I and I, and I I feel that that is something that happens to us when we're least expecting it, um, when we're not looking for it. You know, the real moments of love, the real moments of joy, and I think those moments of bliss are here, embedded in our lives. They might only last an instant. You know, that joy might be that initial dopamine hit when someone gives you a Christmas present, and then by the time you open it up and realize it's a guacamole container it's gone (laughs) but you know those those little fragments of that bigger experience are embedded in this and i knew that there's no way to hold on to it there's no way to keep it forever you know if you if you can have it even once in your life a feeling of love like you've got that and then psychedelics to me that first trip was then that that affirmation that i am okay this is okay. Who I am is okay. These quirks about me, this neuroses, like whatever you want to call it is okay. This is me. Um, And I brought that back with me and it really set the stage for, you know, the acts that followed. So a couple of things happened. The first thing that happened was I got into a a space of life practice, I would say, that was um, very unique and very special at that time. I was doing freelance creative work. I would work these big projects for a few months and then have a few months just to be done off. No responsibility. I had this huge garden. I learned how to play all of these bamboo flutes and built uh, homemade cigar box guitars and instruments and was recording music and I was recording um, thin air podcasts. So this is a whole another podcast you can go look up and you know, there's about twenty some episodes all from this period. Um, it's on iTunes. Uh, T-H-I-N-A-Y-R. Thin air podcast, and it 's just me like self therapy trying to work through you know what what to do That was the big challenge. you know why do anything at all and I, and I have to admit I fell back into this place of feeling that there was more I needed to do, but i wasn 't doing it, even sitting still, as beautiful as that was, in these like kind of personal uh, havens that I had created, just beautiful backyard garden and, and that whole world. Um, I built a climbing wall in my garage. I just like spent every day in this beautiful space, but it wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't sharing it with anybody. You know, I, I, my, my wife was there, but she was working. And so, you know, those those thin air podcasts were still this kind of digging out of these feelings. And a lot of the stuff that I can talk about now with kind of concrete, uh, like putting the puzzle pieces together, it was this period where I was really doing that. Like I didn't know what the impact of that meditation journey was or those, um, you know, early Mushroom and LSD experiences were. But I started um, just trying to collect my thoughts. And I was okay with the fact that I might not be the next MC Escher. I might never write, write a thousand page book like Guy Murchie or be the, the scholar of Joseph Campbell, but that was okay. Um, and I also discovered Alan Watts. And Alan Watts, as much as I love Joseph Campbell, Alan Watts was my guru for that next stage. And I, you know, because I'm obsessive, I, I went down the rabbit hole. I found uh, every recorded lecture that I could from him. And I just steeped myself in Alan Watts. And it, it was this um, Eastern, uh, predominantly Eastern philosophies is really where he just loved to talk. And he would say up front, like, I am not here to change you to be a Buddhist or a Taoist or any of this. I'm talking because it's entertaining. He, he built himself as a spiritual entertainer. And um, he was, he was a, he was a, a philosophical entertainer. And I kind of modeled myself after him a little bit. I, I joke that I'm a philosoph artist. I fart around, I tinker with things, I, I create little uh, projects and I philosophize, but I am not taking myself seriously. <laughs> so, you know, he was the first kind of archetypal philosophartist artist for me. But I got steeped in these um, ideas of Taoism, And, you know, this whole line of thinking that really evolved in the East, you know, it started really with, um, it can go all the way back to the the, the Garden of Eden and that cradle of human civilization and that garden philosophy, the central tree in the garden. and, And that kind of broke off when all these different directions became all of these different things. And one of the places where it landed was in India, where these amazing humans had this amazing culture. And they went into this and they found Hinduism and this pantheon of uh, deified uh, forces of the universe and this huge expanse of time. And in um, my other reading, I'm very convinced that a lot of these religions have their basis in these experiences. There's no way they don't. Like Dr. Rob talked in the last uh, episode psilocybin is found on every continent on the planet there's no way that the people that were doing spiritual work weren't using these substances too because these substances are a doorway into that space and that you know when you when you regard some of these images and philosophies and stuff like it's psychedelic art um you can see that anyway hinduism you know became buddhism which was really the the core of hinduism stripped for export you know, stripped of all of these cultural symbols and just really put into this this one human's awakening, uh, the Buddha. Um, And, you know, I can do more podcasts about these topics because they're wildly interesting. But, you know, Buddhism then went to Japan and these other places and became Zen, and Zen collided. Uh, Buddhism and Zen collided with uh, China that had Confucianism and Taoism. And all of these um, philosophies are so different from our western ideals of a created universe with a a fatherly creator and this um, patriarchal authoritarian uh, kingdom of heaven that we have in the west in the east it is nature it is flowing it is you know the Tao the best way I can describe it is there is a flow that is everything nature you yourself cultures uh, time everything is flowing out of this source and if you go with that flow, you have the power of that river at your back and the the trick is to be in it to to swim with it but to not force it and to not um battle it and um you know there's a lot more and actually if you if you do listen to those thin air podcasts there's a lot of this kind of you know exploration of taoism and buddhism and and those types of t- topics but kind of jumping ahead in that, in that line of inquiry, it left me at this point where I had, you know, this, this real grounding. Now I had conquered my own, um, my own journey of finding myself. I had found myself. I had found these kind of anchoring moments. I was um, aware of my abilities as an artist and as a creative, and I was yearning for more interaction, more people to share this with. And I very fortunately found an amazing group of friends, uh, McCabe Callahan, kind of the central figure of, um, you know, the owner of Muggs Coffee Lounge in downtown Fort Collins. Um, he had this just this huge network of people around him and they were such good people. And McCabe is such a good person. He and I have picked up this thread, have been the ones, you know, I'm hiking Grey Rock now. And I have such memories of like him, him and I and some of our other friends, you know, going up Grey Rock and doing a lot of these same things together. And so there's this period now of like bringing the quest to a, to a community. And it wasn't always like questing and we have to like get to the bottom of this. It was just fun. It was exploratory. We would geek out at the, the, the flow of streams and, and geology and all the stuff that I had learned was just fun to share. And it was fun to get people in that same kind of space and, um, you know, have these debates and we had different philosophies, you know, McCabe was a business owner. He was dealing with systems and employees and, and trying to make this thing be successful. And I was the backyard garden philosopher artist, um, just, you know, doing whatever I wanted to do. Hey man, go with the flow. Hey, trust in the process, like all of this stuff. And then we formed a business. We started a business together. Uh, McCabe and I and, um, our friend Blue, We got this wild hair, you know, I credit them for the initial vision. And then my own, you know, kind of touch on it, We, we wanted to fundamentally empower people to free themselves from this system that puts them in boxes, that breaks apart the financial power of a community into these little silos of households. And tells us that we all need our own lawnmower. We all need our own car. We are all need our own this, that, and the other. Like, let's sell you that. And we wanted to break that apart. We wanted to empower communities to reconnect themselves using technology to share what was important and to be able to community fund any idea. And, you know, that was such a beautiful, powerful way to take this experience that I was having and parlay it into an actual project with people that I cared wildly about, about an idea that collectively we felt so passionate about. And we went into this like our hair was on fire. We said we are stopping at nothing. We clawed our way over every obstacle. We dealt with our own shortcomings on a daily basis. We battered off each other. We fought with each other. We came up to the mountains. We got cool with each other again. We did it over and over. And over the course of 10 years, we went on this, uh, this journey, this entrepreneurial journey. And I had felt that what I had learned in these early experiences was that it wasn't about what I wanted to do. It was about rolling out of my own center, about being open. I'm, I'm sure you've heard me say this on this podcast, you know, be present, have your eyes open, your ears open, your heart open, and your mind open, you know, just be open. Like, let it happen. Let your life unfold. And there's, you know, great sayings and things that all encompass this. There's a a wonderful saying that I think is in Portuguese or or Spanish that's like, the path provides the next step. And it's true. Like, I'm out here on this mountain. I'm walking around. There's a trail. But I could never plan what that trail is going to be. Walking the trail itself is the act of taking those next steps. And so here we are. We founded this business, community funded. And the trail was going to unfold. And it was so hard, so hard, very rewarding, but so hard. Um, Just every day, firefighting. And I think we lit our own fires nine times out of 10. But it was just this constant progression, this constant trying to figure it out. And you know, the two of us, um, eventually our our third co founder, um, very sadly, uh, you know, we, we got to a point where there were irreconcilable differences between him and McCabe, and they just they couldn't. Couldn't work it out, and um, he left. So it was just me and McCabe. And uh, and then the constellation of people that were butting up against McCabe's personality, which is very strong, and my personality, which is equally strong in different directions. And I mean, it's a whole other podcast talking about the last 10 years that I've spent um, taking this idea through the startup phase to being a medium-sized company uh, and, and just doing all of this amazing stuff in the world only to have it all kind of fall apart. And we were um, we had a hostile takeover from the inside by our own investors that kind of pulled the wool over our eyes and then fired us. And that all happened at the beginning of this year. Um, You know, I'm sure you can pick up on some of these episodes that I am in a in a state of transition where I have spent the last 10 years as a C-level executive in a technology company raising money and you know presenting to the board and and you know building a product designing this whole product and a V2 of the product and just like I have had a double doctorate in technology startup mayhem and um and it's really cool because you know there's a huge break I just I just I talked so intimately about three or four years as a young 20 something into my like, you know, late twenties. And then I just skipped over 10 years of all of this happening and all of the things that I've, I've learned and experienced in the world of business and working with creatives and working with teams and design sprinting and, you know, creating, creating things and selling them. Um, And always with this, like this big vision at its core. Um, And, now here I am <laughs> and I'm blabbing at my microphone and I started off talking about how, you know, I'm walking up this hill. I had this amazing day, this amazing opportunity that I have right now where I'm not working 60 hour weeks anymore and I'm not, you know, missing out on everything at the expense of this one um, project, this one ideal that we got by the end of it, just so twisted up in like my family's house was signed on the dotted line. Uh, there was just absolute Chaos, as our company was going to be bought and then wasn't bought, and we ran out of money in that process and just the 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 acidic relationships of these investors and just like all of this stuff and the feeling of failure that we had let everyone down uh oh, you know i'm not in that anymore i'm I'm walking down this hill with snowshoes with a head full of mushrooms and cannabis um with my dog and talking to you about uncomplication and you know, this backstory, I hope you, you can see how this project to me is this possibility. It's the possibility to get back on that track in some way, shape or form. You know, I'm so interested in the power of psychedelics to to change us, to have us accept ourselves. And I've done this now with, with a number of people in my life, you know, after going out there with Jeff, Kyle, who we started this podcast together, my brother growing up you know, uh, an explorer early on with cannabis in that space. You know, he and I went out to that same place in the desert and we had a very similar trip. Um, I've done it with other friends that were, you know, a little bit younger than me and like really trying to figure their shit out. And I take them out to the desert, take them up in the hills and just have gotten really good at at kind of being a guide. And, um, you know, there's lots of different types of psychedelic therapy I've come to learn. And um, one of them is to you know take a, a large dose of something lay down on a couch and go inward and that's really cool like I actually have not had enough experience of that other than like you know the end of the night being in a tent you know with a head full of uh, LSD and mushrooms like really going into that kind of inner space but like that kind of therapy where you actually lie on the couch for many hours um you know it's kind of novel to me because where I've really functioned with these things is where I am now and I took a small amount and that was intentional because today it was not about, you know, getting too tripped up. It was about this. It was about just getting my brain working in some new ways, connecting these thoughts, telling my story. And so, yeah, like that psychedelic piece is very interesting, but it, but it's one kind of underpinning because on top of that, on top of those experiences that we can have, and I hope to share with more and more people and more and more listeners and and just be a part of that evolving space as adults do get more access to this because it is very powerful. It is very beneficial. I mean, I'm telling you, McCabe and I would not have been able to do what we did with Community Funded if this wasn't part of our relationship. It was how we always got back to that core of our humanity together. And no matter what was going on back in the world, we could laugh about it. We could think about it in different ways. Like there is a functional experience here that is... Um, Uh, really powerful and so like that's part of uncomplication for me it can't not be I mean you just heard my story you you, I'm sure you understand now like why um, as much as our culture makes that taboo to me it's just kind of a central opportunity and and I think it's going to be kind of a thread through these things I'm not going to be shy about it Um, you know there might be people that are very uncomfortable with the topic of drugs uh, you know psychedelics and changing your consciousness and I invite that critique. I really do, because the I cannot convince you of anything other than your own experience. And if your experience is rooted in capitalism or Christianity or um, Judaism or Islam or atheism or anything, you know, whatever you're bringing to this, all I can do is be honest about my experience, and and seek to bring to the forefront. Conversations and opportunities and lines of thought and lines of inquiry that I know drive a spark in me. They light that spark. When I hiked up in that Sheep Mountain episode with Tomas and just had, you know, an afternoon on top of a hill with a friend talking about mathematics and the market and, um, you know, the the divine power behind all of this, like that to me fills my bucket so much. And uncomplication, this idea of a podcast. You know, it is such a disservice sometimes to try to dip a net or dip a bucket in a moving river. As soon as you dip that bucket in and pull it out, it's not the same river. It's not a river anymore. It's standing water. Its nature has changed. But that, net, that, um, that bucket can quench people's thirst. So you have to go out. You have to see the river for yourself. You have to dive in. You have to dive into the ice cold water and just like go with it to be part of that river. Um, and what I'm going to be doing in Uncomplication, I, I really, I feel, I'm like deciding on this, on this hike even, is I'm going to continue to go out and look for these places where I can dip a bucket in that raging river and share with you this little encapsulated conversation or a point of view of someone or just a conversation that I think is interesting and just give it to you in the hopes that it quenches your thirst, knowing that I am never going to be able to throw you in the river. And you might not want to dr- dive in the river and that's totally fine too. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of tying it up here that for me, what this podcast is, is the, um, and and I don't want to put too much expectation around it. I want to intentionally say that the, there is a very low expectation here that I am not doing this to bring uh, psychedelics into your life. I am not doing this to make you a Buddhist or a Taoist, or to convince you that I'm the most brilliant person on the planet, or any you know kind of personal gain like that for you or me. This is in the spirit of Alan Watts, of uh, philosophical entertainment. I hope that when you listen to these, you you feel something and you stir, that you are entertained, or maybe even just my voice is soothing. Uh, people have told me that I have a, a soothing voice. That if this helps you sleep at night, like beautiful, like that is a beautiful thing too. I love those podcasts that I can fall asleep to so whatever it ends up being i don't know but i do know that after 10 years of being um really really deep in this flow of human happening as an entrepreneur in this technology world um that knowledge that i've gained i'm excited and i'm and i'm, and I'm currently actively applying that knowledge um to other people that i'm i'm working with and talking with kind of in a consulting way. Um, <laughs> And not charging anyone anything, just, just, I love getting into those problems. I love thinking through, um, how to take what we have and put it together in new, interesting ways. Um, so that's going on. And in the meantime, you know, this, this podcast, I am just going to continue to find conversations and I'm going to be honest and nerdy. And I'm going to throw on my audio recorder from time to time. And if you, if you go back through the old episodes, you'll kind of see what this is. I mean, it's, it's part me finding guests and just, you know, asking those questions that get people to hopefully more and more open up into their own experience and knowledge. And, and hopefully, like in the last episodes with Dr. Rob, like really challenging me. Like I love being challenged. I love, I love that because it, it shows how fluid we are. That we don't have to define ourselves as just I am this thing. Like that thing is changing moment to moment, day to day with every experience that passes. And so, yeah, this, this is going to be a combination of many things. And, and there might be periods where I stop or there's something else that grabs my, my time and attention. But I will be filling this space with my collected notes um, in the hope. And if there if there is an expectation, it's this. I would love to grow an audience and a community because to me that just it, it opens up more possibility. It, um, it legitimizes uncomplication and what this is so that I can start going and knocking on, um, you know, the doors of bigger and bigger guests. I would love to just have challenging conversations with the people that we deem most interesting um, and just really get to the heart, get to the root of what they think this is all about, what they're doing about it and and where as a species we're heading and where our opportunities are to find these moments of bliss and peace in our own lives so i'm going to ask you if you're listening to this and you enjoy this and you've you've actually sat through hearing my whole life story now almost um and concluding with my intention here um you know i'm going to put myself back in tension like pulling back a bow um, and say this is where i think i'm shooting um and it involves you it involves your help Telling your friends about this, if you if you get value, you know, tell your friends. Um, I'm I'm gonna try as hard as I possibly can, always to never have to do any kind of advertisement or like make this a commercial thing. It just will be this. So if you like this, you know, tell your friends. Um, go leave some reviews that that you know help people find it in these different podcasting uh, mediums. But that that's the part that I would love to call on the people that are listening. And I'm talking to my friends. I'm talking to my family. I'm talking to this little group that, you know, when I post one of these, I'm sending out text messages to a handful of um, just little groups of friends. I don't have social media. Um, so I'm i am asking you to get that ball rolling with me um, because I feel like that is a way to just keep this thing moving. Um, as an artist, the the value of the audience can't be overstated knowing that there's someone else on the other side who is seeing that image or hearing those words or appreciating the same conversation is a huge driver. Um, so yeah I, I will stop the begging but you know help me out help share these uh, leave reviews and, and if you have any ideas of guests or if you want to be a guest yourself let's go hiking. I, I would love to be out here with any one of you um, digging into a lot of this same ground um, to tread. So I'm going to leave it there. I know this is kind of long. Um, if, you, if you stuck it out, <laughs> I commend you. Uh, I don't have a real um, intention in this episode other than to just share this story, kind of frame uh, what uncomplication is for me in this, in this moment, and hope that um, that leads to more random mornings where I drop off the kids at school and throw on snowshoes and end up here. Because this um, is a place where ideas are born and um and where these these feelings can really uh shine uh, there's there's some great podcasts too that if you haven't listened to them yet you know from the first season quote of uncomplication uh definitely go back listen to the interview with stephen Hatch that was such a cool one talking about um being solitary and finding silence and uh, he has such a cool backstory um rooted in um, like the Quakers and stuff back on the New England uh, kind of coast, such a good one. Um, Seymour Jacklin was another just amazing conversation. I, he's just an individual that I I have so much appreciation for. He as a as, as a storyteller has just been putting himself into the world in these beautiful bedtime stories that are so creative, so um, it, engulfing in their um, imagery and and the care with which he crafts them. So that was an interview you know, from a few years back, because he just, he just, he just inspired me. You know, here's a person that, you know, so values his craft of sharing ideas through stories with people that you know, I just wanted to know his story. I want to know who he was. And I ended up just being delighted by this authentic, amazing person struggling as a creative, like many creatives are, to, to find that balance of integrating the thing that you really feel that you should be doing or want to do with what the world is asking of you. Um, that was an awesome one. And then there's just a lot of stuff that I think is is kind of cool. If you dig back through the the last, you know, 30 or 40 episodes. Um, just cool moments. And, and they were coming from uh, being in that business world. Uh, you know, I was struggling a lot through that period. And so the uncomplications, you know, up till this point have been very much like dealing with uh, stress and anxiety and um, missing my children's childhood and like all of these questions. And I think that there was a lot of, of really valuable things that I learned in that period, because when you're only, out in the mountains, uh, you know, every day or in the garden and just have this kind of cavalier like, Oh yeah, everyone should just quit their job and go be a hippie, go do yoga. Like I know that that is not an option for a lot of people. Um, it might be an option, but it's, it's unlikely to be a reality and that's okay too. And so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good mix of kind of that acceptance of who we are, where we are. You know, the intro of this podcast is um, Adventure Time. Beautiful cartoon. Go check it out. It's an episode where the main character is floating through space and is going to die. But he just has such faith in his own story and the universe. I'm getting teary-eyed talking about Adventure Time. He's like, he sings this beautiful, haunting song. Everything's falling into place. I'm right where I should be. And so... um, Yeah, that message, that underlying current of we are all right where we need to be, to me, that is the essence of that word uncomplication. Because everything is so complicated. And when we think about it, we complicate it even more. And so uncomplication is that knowledge, that deep, deep knowledge that can only really be found in these experiences where you've had it, where the world uncomplicates itself. And you see that everything must be right where it is for it to be how it is. And, uh, there's a, there's a profound faith that I get out of that. That might be a little bit different than a Christian faith. It's not so much a faith in God or a one, one explanation. Um, or, you know, the, I think, I don't want to get too far into this, but, you know, faith to me is just this faith that I don't know. I do not know the answers. I know how crazy experience can get. I have been an interdimensional tile flipping over moment by moment. I have been in the depths of anxiety. I have been on the mountain of joy. I've been all around that spectrum. And so all I can do is have faith that the path provides the next step. Those moments of joy are out there. And that right now, this is bringing me um, back into a flow and a vibration where I can, again, you know, I've been been given these gifts. My 10 years of hell as an entrepreneur, was a gift. Absolute gift. So many ways. From the money that people gave us to let us do it, to the experiences I had, the relationships, the knowledge. I was given so much, and now I want to give some of that back. So, this is uncomplication. Even if I've never met you, I love you more than words can describe, because together we form this, this, uh, this whole, this whole picture. Uh, We resonate each other and reflect each other back, so... I'm going to stop the jawing. I'm going to go back into experiencing this day because you can't do the two at the same time. (laughs) And I want to thank you from the absolute core of my being for being you exactly as you are um, listening to this. So until next time, cheers.